This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Yesterday morning, I spoke with Joe Paluzzi, who is of Content Marketer Institute. He breaks down how he gets 3,000 people to pay $1,100 for a single event. He clears $3.2 million. Go listen to see how he does it. Okay, Top Tribe, it is so good to be talking to you again this morning. Hopefully, you're just starting out on your jog, you're pumped, you're going to make it a great morning, or you're slowly sipping your warm coffee this morning, and you're going to love our guest. It's Mr. Paul Singh. He's an investor, founder, and I'll tell you what, the dude is an all-around hustler. He was previously managing director at 1776, founder at Disruption Corp., which was acquired by 1776 recently. He was a partner at 500 Startup, and he was an EIR at... USCIS, which I have no idea what it is. We'll ask him in a second. And he grows startups and small businesses, and he's up to something very interesting right now. Paul, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, I'm just trying to keep up with you, Nathan. Dude, I'm going a million <laughs> miles an hour. I apologize. What is EIR? Uh, so as an entrepreneur in residence at the U.S. Customs and Immigration Service. There we go. Of course. Okay. So let's, let's, if people are going to go, well, how does Nathan know Paul? Do you remember how we met? Uh, I, well, we met through somebody, we're both from this, uh, small place outside of Virginia or outside of DC, right? I mean, you were in Leesburg, I was in Ashburn. I can't remember who introduced us though. Was think, it, wasn't it Bill Babel or, or, uh, Pat, or, uh it was either Pat or Bill. Yeah. yeah. And it was a guys, for those of you listening in, uh, Paul was actually, he was with disruption and Paul, did you or Dave vet, vet the Hayo deal? Uh, I did that one actually. Yeah. And you know, you know, what really made me mad about what you did when, when you decided to invest Jen from CIT. <laughs> She comes down, comes down to Blacksburg, takes me out to, takes me out to yep. dinner yep. and it was random. And I go, why the hell is she taking me out to dinner? And then after she said, oh, Paul wanted to see how you treated the waitress to decide whether to put in 50 grand into hay or not. Is that true? Oh, well, so that sounds generally, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, I wanted to, what I wanted to know is, so a lot of the business when we invest in people is really just figuring out what they're like. Right. And so at the time, that one of the easiest ways to figure out what you were like, other than like the metrics and the traction and all the other references that came back was just to see how you, how you, uh, were around like, like servers and stuff like that. And so <laughs> it's a nice little, uh, kind of uh, culture hack, if you will, or a good way to like kind of figure people out really quickly. So guys, there you have it. A lot of the top tribe listeners, Paul, they're students who want to start their own business or they're SaaS entrepreneurs. All you got to do is take the investor out to dinner and just tip the waitress <laughs> damn good. And there's your 50 K investment. All right. Well, well, I don't even think it's about tipping, right? It's just about like just being, being nice, right? Yep. Yep. No, I love that. I love it. It's great. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I look at, I mean, I look at just the people we have around Heyo and you and then all the introductions you've made when I visit DC, they've been incredible. So I consider you a friend and I'm thrilled that you're on the show and you have had just a whirlwind of success uh, over the past several years. So walk us through, you went from 500 startups. How many investments again were made at, where did you guys make at 500 startups when you were there? Well, I think when I, by the time I left, uh, I think we were probably at something like 600 or 700 investments. I think 500 is up to about 1,200 investments now. And they were about 50K each. That was your thesis. Uh, the initial check is about 50,000. Now that that's gone up over time and, and things like that, but the initial check is typically smaller like that. And then, and then subsequent checks are much larger. They can be, you know, hundred K, 250 K. They could be even more than that. So walk us through, you go from 500 startups, walk us through why the transition to, 
transition to Disruption Corp? Yeah, so so two things. Um, one is I wanted to come back to the East Coast. Um, we had we had all we moved out to um, California for 500 startups, uh, but all my extended family's here in the DC area, and so uh, came back here for that first and foremost. Um, secondly, um, you know, I had an opportunity to start building out more of the technology that I had been working on at 500 startups, um, particularly around tracking companies. Um, and, and getting information about them and things like that. And so it was really about jumping back into the founder seat, uh, although I pretty quickly decided that I also wanted to be investing money, so I ended up raising another fund as well um, called Crystal Tech Fund. So I started investing and running a company. And how, how big was that fund? That was a $50 million fund. Is that, is that even an important question when people ask how big is the fund and it's like, you know, hey, look, my balls are really big. I've got a big fund. Is that, is that really important or not? <laughs> Uh, I think so, especially if you're a founder that's going to, to raise money at some point. Um, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but I think if you plan on raising money, it's really important to understand how how the VCs fund works. And generally speaking, they're pretty easy to understand. You can go on websites like VentureHacks.com and look through the archives there. And there's a lot of stuff written up about it. But the, the point is, you know, the, the the investors' fund size will have a direct, almost a direct link to how big their checks are going to be. So. For example, if you're working on a web company and you're like super early stage, and you let's just say you only want to raise two hundred fifty thousand bucks, um, generally speaking, you probably don't want to go to a fund that is you know investing out of a billion dollar fund. Got it. Uh, and, and vice versa, right? So it's like if you're only raise if you want to raise five million bucks, you don't really want to go to a fifty million dollar fund. And it makes perfect sense. And so walk me through one one way that I got burned when we were raising capital originally at Hayo, and we raised 550k several years ago from some of the top you know folks in the world. You guys, you know David Cohen of TechStars and some other folks. Um, I spoke with some people who you know you read online they've got massive funds, but like they stalled, and I thought they just weren't interested in me. Later, I learned. It said they had a fifty million dollar fund, but they don't actually have that money. It's like it's like a marketing thing, but they don't actually have the money. So walk us through that disruption. Like, was the strategy? Did you actually have the fifty million to invest, or walk us through kind of the whole model where you can call that money from people who have committed? Ah, right. Okay. So so I understand what you're asking now. So the, the thing is that um, when you raise a fund, generally speaking, you're not going to hold all of that money in the account. So so. To step back, when you raise a fund, typically that fund is an eight to ten year vehicle. Could be a little longer, could be a little bit shorter. Um, and generally speaking, if somebody says to you, "Hey, I'm going to give you fifty million bucks," you don't just take that entire pool of money and let it sit in your bank account. And the reason is, um, there's better ways for that other for that LP, that limited partner, to invest that money until you need it, right? So, so the way to think about it is, is that like. Um, the way to think about it is that, like, let's say you've got fifty bucks in your bank account versus 50, 50 bucks in your pocket, um, and you don't want to spend either for thirty days. Generally speaking, it's better to keep that fifty bucks in a savings account or uh, you know a small money market account in your bank because you're going to get a little bit of interest on that, right? Got so, it. so when you raise a fund, typically what happens is you call anywhere from twenty to forty percent of that money up front. Could be a little less, a little more, depending on what you want. Um, and then you call the rest of it as you need it over the lifetime of that fund. So. Generally speaking, though, that shouldn't in, uh, impact a founder too much. You know, like if you, if let's just say I needed a, a, a big $5 million slug to, to pump into a company, um, generally speaking, you can get that from the LPs within 15 days. If, and uh, LP stands for limited partner, guys. Those of you listening in that aren't familiar with VC funds, LPs, limited partners, invest in venture capital funds like what Paul Singh put together, the $50 million, uh, at disruption. That's right. So walk us, okay, so let's fast forward for a second. Paul, you got some people like, 
tore you up and some people sung your praises, BizJournal, all these online outlets, but the DC Tech Group tore you up when you sold Disruption Corp to 1776. Some of them said like, this is just an optics thing. Some people said, oh my gosh, it's great. It's another big exit in DC area. What the hell do you have to say to those people? You just ignore it? Uh, I didn't actually even pay attention. <laughs> I'm not you sure are wakeboarding. What... <laughs> you are wakeboarding, right? Well, look, at the end of the day, I was just trying to do the best thing for, for my investors, for my employees, and, and, uh, and, and for everybody else, right? And so um, I think at the end of the day, you know, a piece of advice somebody gave me a long time ago was that it's more important for people to, like, you, you can't keep everybody happy, right? And so it's just really important that you, you do stuff that, um, that, that, that works. And ultimately, it's, it's most important that people either love you or hate you, because if, if you're anywhere in between those two extremes, then they just don't even care what you're doing, you know? And so um, my, my duty was first and foremost to my, my employees and my founders, uh, sorry, my investors. Um, and so, you know, that's what we solved for. And I think ultimately, though, it was a good decision. I think 1776 is killing it. They're going to keep growing. I think they're going to um, um, make a big difference in the D.C. area. For any of the listeners that are in the D.C. area, I mean, just go back five years and, and tell me what, what there was here, right? There was, mm-hmm. there was, it was much more fragmented. It was much harder uh, to, to do, uh, to jump into the startup world. And, and today, because of guys like 1776, and I'd like to think because of some of the stuff I've done and some of the stuff that Revolution and everybody else has done, that it's much easier than ever to start a company now in the DC, uh, uh, in the DC area. Well, and you've got major anchor companies up there, folks like I think it's O-Power, you know, got mm-hmm. Allen with Track Maven, you've got iStrategy Labs, those guys are crushing it as well. And a lot mm-hmm. of that, again, you've created a lot of that momentum up there with other folks. So walk me through, before we talk about results junkies briefly, you said you optimized the exit at Disruption Corp for investors and employees. Did folks who invested in Disruption Corp, did they make back their money on the exit to 1776? So I can't actually answer any of the details on that. It's just all contractual, right? So everything's got to be quiet, but... Um I think, uh, in general, I think everybody's um, pretty happy. Everyone's happy. Good, good, good. Walk us through Results Junkies. Why not go raise another fund and do it again? What, what's the strategy behind Results Junkies? Well, so the thing is, Results Junkies just been something I've been working on for years, actually. It's just sort of this weekly newsletter. It started out as sort of a blog, and then it turned into a weekly newsletter that I wrote uh, while I was investing and, and things like that. And then um, now it's really, you know, to be honest with you, it's just... Um, going back to my roots, right? I think, I think it's not out of the question for me to go raise another fund. It's not out of the question for me to go join another VC firm. Um, but frankly, the deal finally closed about 30 days ago. So <laughs> I spent 30 days, about 30 days, I think, on the road, uh, just seeing other startup hubs. Uh, you know, I went to Lincoln, Nebraska. I went to Santiago, Chile, Kelowna, British Columbia, Madrid, um, and, and just spend a lot of time looking at how these other communities have grown and, and frankly, just trying to not only take it in, but figure out how I, how I might be able to help it. Right. Um, so, uh, so anyway, results junkies right now is really just, like I said, my newsletter, there's a community, uh, like a Slack community that I've pulled together with a couple thousand folks, um, just talking about building their, their businesses and there's investors in there and there's, there's founders and I'm in there. And, you know, frankly, it's not actually a business. It's really more just like, I just want to bring people together. Um, online and offline and, and uh, email Slack and, and, and meetups have been sort of the best way to do it over the past few years. Well, and I love that. And Slack's obviously a major, major power player now in this space. But I, uh, I want folks to know we'll link to results junkie so you can check Paul's newsletter out. I'm on it. I love it. Um, it's at NathanLatka.com forward slash the top five five. We'll link to everything in the show along with numbers and an overcap. If you are loving this episode, you will love episode number eight, where we talk to the head of strategy at GoPro responsible for taking them from 300000 
$100,000 a year in sales to $300 million in sales. And to celebrate the top tribe, I am giving you guys the chance to win a GoPro and my top three favorite business books. In order to win, simply text the word Nathan to 33444. Again, N-A-T-H-A-N to 33444 for your chance to win hundreds of dollars in prizes every week. The first one is a GoPro and my favorite business books. Paul, my heart is beating. We are getting to my favorite part of the show. You know what's next? Uh, Come on, dude. Not, well, Don't let me down. Right? Don't let me down. Dude, famous five time. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. N- number one, Paul. I actually, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this. You study a lot. You read a lot. What is your favorite business book? Yeah, uh, I think my favorite one of all time, I read it once a, m- once a year probably, is called So Good They Can't Ignore You by uh, Cal Newport. Never even heard of that. I'm going to add it to my list. Number two, which CEO are you following or studying right now? Uh, you know, I don't know that I have a particular favorite, but I will tell you, I, I watch a lot of airline CEOs when they're speaking, um, particularly when I'm on an airplane. And, and I, let me just elaborate on that for just a second. I think it's like airline CEOs probably have one of the harder jobs in the world because I think aside from running these like super thin margin businesses, just think about that for a minute. You're sitting on an airplane, that little TV comes on, the CEO gets on there and he or she has to sit there and in one minute explain like the value of their airline to the, let's call it 10% of people up front in business or first, right? Who want different things than the 90% of people in the back that want different things, right? Like, so the people in the back might've, might've optimized for price and the people up front optimized for, 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 you know, luxury. And I just think it's really fascinating how they, how they sort of navigate that and like how they talk, how they, how they, uh, sort of convey their message. They've got to speak to both audiences at the same time. Exactly. Really fascinating. While, while also losing sleep over oil prices, right? Which they're loving right now. That's, that's right. That's All right. right. Number three, Paul, what is your favorite online tool? Like something like Evernote? Um, I, I've been using Slack a lot now. Um, so if I only had to pick one, I'd, I'd go with Slack. There you go. Now, I want to know if, you, again, you've had a ton of success. I want to know if you've done this in a balanced way. I think you, you have, obviously you're married. You have two kids or three? I've won. One, okay, or one. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, proje- I'm projecting here. All right, now, so yes or no, Paul, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? I wish, man, I wish. No, I don't. If I, it's usually anywhere between like four and five. There you go. All right, number five, how old are you now? 30? I'm 34. 34. Take us back 14 years. If you wish your 20-year-old self knew one thing, what would it be? I'd probably want to save more money. <laughs> save more money. There you go. Except I hope it's not in the stock market right now. No, it's uh, on the stock market, right? But it's, <laughs> time is the one thing you can't get back. And I, if you just, if you look at the, the way that compound interest and all that works, I just wish I'd saved more back then. There you go. Well, Paul, people are going to want to follow your journey online. They obviously can research your involvement in things like 500 Startups, Disruption Corp, et cetera. But if they want to follow you now, where's the best place to connect with you online? Uh, my website, resultsjunkies.com, or if you're on Twitter, it's just at Paul Singh. Well, guys, there you have it. Paul, thanks for joining us from investing uh, in hundreds of deals at 500 startups to exiting and selling Disruption Quark and building the ecosystem in Crystal City. Paul, thank you for taking us to the top. You got it, Nathan. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Coming up tomorrow, guys, I'm going to be tucked here in the Appalachian Mountains. You're going to love my guest. His name is Cam Duty. And this 30-year-old makes 450 grand every week, not month, not year, every week. And he does it from a small Tennessee town. Okay, Top Tribe, I am pouring my heart and soul into this podcast for you. Would you help me out by subscribing on iTunes? 
If you're listening on your Apple phone, hit the purple arrow in the upper left of your screen and you'll see the word subscribe in purple, all capital letters. Click that subscribe button if you want me to keep doing shows and I will see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.